Amen. Put this thing on. Amen. I'll get this on so I don't have a leash. I believe the Lord's come by and visited us this morning. Amen. That's good. Praise the Lord. We'll be in Luke chapter 16 if you turn there with me. You that came to Revival Friday nights, you're going to get a double dose. The Lord gave me clearance to preach this. So. <laughs> Luke chapter 16. Luke 16. Amen. Good to be saved, doesn't it? There's no doubt we're living in the end times. The things that are going on, I'm not even going to preach about those things, but just think about in your mind the things that are going on. All the attacks, people shooting policemen, people mass shootings, I mean just crazy stuff. Not only that, men wanting to be women and women wanting to be men and People of the same sex trying to marry each other. You say, what is that? That's the end times is what that is. We're in the last days, friends. And the truth is, you better get in. If you're ever going to get in, now's the time to get in. And it won't be long. And one of these days, the Lord's going to come back. You say, well, I don't think He's going to come now. Keep thinking that. Because the Bible says in an hour that you think not, that's when He's going to come. Amen. And the Bible even gives you a little checklist the way things might be before He comes. And if there's ever been a time, now's the time. You say, who can fix our country? Everything's going on in our country right now and all these politicians, you know. Who can fix our country? There's one person that can fix it, fix it right, and his name is Jesus. He can fix the country. He's the best candidate. What you ought to do is go ahead and vote him in as your Savior this morning. Luke chapter number 16. If you're able, let's stand together this morning. Luke chapter 16, we'll begin reading in verse number 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and saith, Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come unto this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now when you read about Moses and the prophets, 
What he's saying is that they don't hear the Bible, God's Word. Moses wrote the first five books, and the prophets wrote many of the other books in the Old Testament. And he said, what that man needs is not Lazarus to come. What he needs is the Bible, God's Word. And I'm thankful that we still have a Bible today. And that we can preach it, we can read it, we can study it. And we can even get saved by hearing the, the, the precious Word that comes out of it. Yeah. Anyway, you can be seated this time, I guess. But in this passage, you see a great passage in Scripture. It's a passage that people don't talk about very often. Very few preachers even preach from this passage. More preachers today are worried about their congregation as far as getting numbers in and getting people in. And I am thankful to have the opportunity to see a church grow in the last 15 years from 30 people up to whatever we have now. God has been good to us. And every year we've grown just a little bit more. And, and we're up this year from last year. Everything's good. God is blessing. And it's been great. But I'm here to tell you I'm not preaching for numbers. I'm preaching for the Lord is who I'm preaching for. And when the Lord gave this story in the Bible, many preachers today, they'll say, well, that's just a parable. It's a little story that He made up to prove a point. But I'm here to tell you it's not a parable. It's not just a little story. It's a true story. In a parable, He always opens it up. And He'll say, and He spoke a certain parable to them. He didn't say that in this passage. In a parable, He never mentions a man's name. But in this passage, you find the name Lazarus, a real man. Not only that, you find a man named Abraham. He was a real man that lived on earth. And both of them are real men. And when the Lord gives this story, He gives you a story of things that have really happened. And I don't like it, but it's a story about a terrible place. A place called hell. When we read about the Lord, the Lord preached on hell more times than He preached on heaven. His ministry only lasted for three and a half years. He entered the ministry at 30 and for three and a half years, he walked through the area of the Holy Land. And he preached the gospel and told people about him and that he was the Messiah. Many of them believed on him, but several did not believe. He even did many miracles. Y'all believe that? I do. He did many miracles and some others believed on him, but many didn't. And then they crucified him at the end of his life and tried to kill him. They did kill him. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead and he's alive today. And I find that he preached on hell more times than he preached on heaven. You can read the sermons that our Savior preached. And six times in three and a half years, he preached on that terrible place. You say, why would he preach such a message? He was the first hellfire and damnation preacher. That's where it comes from. You say, why would he preach that? Because he loves people. And he cares about people. See, a preacher that would preach on hell does not want anybody to go there. But a preacher that would never preach on this terrible place, he doesn't care whether you go there or not. But I'm here, I'm one of those preachers. You say, what kind are you? The kind that doesn't want you to go. I care about you. I, I love you. You say, you may not even know me that well. That makes no difference. If my Lord loves you, then I love you. And He loves everybody. And He wants everybody to go to heaven. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what family you came from. He doesn't care where you're born. He doesn't care what your last name is. He doesn't care any of those things. He died for you anyway because He loves you. And if He loves you, we ought to love you. And I'm here to tell you this morning that this place is real. It's real. Bob Jones Sr., the old Methodist preacher, said, what America needs most is about six months of red-hot preaching on hell by men who are half mad when they preach it. <laughs> He said, love alone won't get the job done. Well, I'm not mad this morning. <laughs> but I will say he's right. He's telling the truth. 
Billy Sunday said that hell will be so full of preachers, their legs will be hanging out the windows. There's many preachers that's never trusted Jesus as their Savior. And just being a preacher don't get you to heaven. You've got to have a relationship with the Lord. And I see that this place is real. And there's a real man there. He's a rich man. And the story's about the rich man in that place. And Lazarus in the good place with Abraham. And Lazarus was the beggar. But I want you to notice as this rich man began to talk across that great gulf and he spoke to Abraham on the other side, who is the father of the nation of the Jews. Abraham said this to him in verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now, doesn't matter what it was in your life, it's now. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. He said, Son, he said, remember in your lifetime how it used to be? You had everything good, Lazarus had everything bad. He said, Son, you remember that? You know what that tells me? It tells me in that terrible place called hell, people will have a memory. And they'll remember how it once was. And this man remembered some things. I believe it with all of my heart. If he wouldn't have, Abraham wouldn't have said, Son, you remember how it was back when you were alive? But he did. He did remember. And this morning I'm going to preach on a few things that the rich man remembered in hell. And when I say that, there's several things that he remembered. Notice it says in verse number 19, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Do you know what I think the rich man might have remembered? I think he might have remembered that gate. He said there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which laid at his gate full of sores. We read about the rich man. And I don't know a lot about him, but I know one thing about him. He was rich. He was wealthy. He wasn't just a man that had a little bit. The Bible says he was rich. And when the Bible says somebody's rich, it doesn't mean they're well off. It doesn't mean they make a good living. It means they're loaded is what it means. And this man was loaded. He was a rich man. And the Bible tells me this much. He must have lived in a nice house. I mean, he must have had a big mansion. He probably had everything money could buy. There was probably nobody in town, probably nobody in the county that had a house like the rich man. Hey, the Bible says his house was so great and it was so big that he had a gate, the Scripture says. I don't believe that was out on a farm. Just keep cows in either. I'm for that kind of gate too. But anyway, thank God, anything where there's no mosquitoes at, that's a good place to be. But I'm telling you, that's not the kind of place he had. This man was wealthy. He had a great big mansion. And I believe there was many days where the rich man would look out his bay window or the front window and look outside and probably had a nice paved driveway. He probably had maids and butlers. And he probably looked down that driveway and he probably had shrubbery and trees and things planted along the sides and everything just perfect. And all the great uh, things he had in the yard and the ornaments and those things. And at the end of that yard or that winding beautiful driveway down at the bottom of the hill was a big gate. And when he looked down at that gate, there he saw a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus couldn't get in because the gate didn't open. Only the rich man could open the gate. But Lazarus laid at his gate and he probably looked down and he saw that gate and he thought, why is that guy laying there again? Doesn't he have a home? This is my house. He's going to make it smell. Look at him. He doesn't look like he's had a bath in a month. Man, that guy's terrible. What in the world's he doing there? 
I wish he'd go to somebody else's gate. I wish he'd go to somebody else's house. But he never did. Every day he was laid at the gate of the rich man. And when the rich man looked out from his second story master suite and bedroom and stepped out on the big balcony he had and looked out, there was Lazarus and he laid at the gate. And I bet Lazarus wanted the gate to open, but it never opened. It only opened for the rich man. It never opened for him. And I think about that, and that's a place of separation. And you read about this. The Bible's very clear. I don't know everything about hell, but I do know a few things. If you'll study and you'll dig in your Bible, you'll learn some things that not everybody knows. I'm not saying I know it like that. But I'm saying God will show you things. And one thing He'll show you. The Lord said one time, He was talking to the Apostle Peter. He said, Thou art Peter. He pointed to old Peter. He said, You're Peter. And He said, Upon this rock, talking about Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ is the rock. And He said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates, the gates, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You say, what do you know about hell? I know there's a gate. And I bet that rich man looked on a daily basis and he saw that gate that was closed and had him separated from the other side where everything was good and lovely. And that rich man watched that gate and looked at it and said, oh, the gate would only open. And on the other side of the gate, there was Lazarus, the same man that used to lay at his gate. But now the tides have changed and things were not like they used to be. I'm telling you, the rich man remembered some things. He remembered that his gate never opened, but he also remembered that the gates of hell never opened either. Let me say, when a person goes to that terrible place, you never read where they get out. The gates never open and they never let you out. They never usher people to the other side. Oh, if you're going to be saved, be saved today. Don't you wait. Be saved now. It'll be too late in that life. Oh, he remembered some things. There's no doubt about it. I noticed something else I think he might have remembered. It said in verse number 20, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. I said, boy, he must have been terrible being a beggar. Yeah, but his name means God is my helper. He had something better. Which was laid at his gate, and look at this, full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. I believe that that rich man probably remembered the sores. As he looked across that gate and saw that beggar, that filthy beggar laying there and just desired to get fed, and he looked over there, I bet he thought, my goodness, that guy's sick. Look at the sores all over his body. What in the world's happened to him? He ought to go to a doctor or something. And about that time, it occurred to him that that man didn't have money to go to a doctor. He didn't have what it took to go to a doctor. He couldn't get help. And about that time, some mangy dog probably came up, started licking on the, the guy's sores. That's just gross to even think about. But that's what it says in the Bible. And he came by and saw those dogs gathered around him. And I bet he thought, man, that must be terrible. It must be terrible to be sick like that. It must be terrible to be full of sores. It must be terrible to live a life where you can't even get up and you're sick and you're hurting all the time. But now that he was in hell, that rich man probably thought, oh, Lazarus doesn't have any sores now. And he looked across and he said, that guy's got a new body. Man, that guy's in good shape over there. And look at me. Look at the shape that I'm in. I'm in torments. I'm in fire. I'm telling you, my body's in pain. And I can't get any help. I'm just like Lazarus used to be when he laid at my gate. I'm telling you, I'm in big trouble. I can't get over it. See, that's what's wrong with people. They say, well, there's no really any fire down there in hell. 
That's not what my Bible says. The Bible says that's a place where there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The Bible says it's a place where the worm dieth not. The Scripture says it's a place where the fire is not quenched. I'm telling you, it's a bad place. I wouldn't want anybody to go to a terrible place like that. But it's a real place. And people are really burning in that terrible place. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go there. I wouldn't want that. I don't want them to go there. I was telling the other night when I was about 15... I was in the 10th grade. I was 17 and graduated. I was birthday a little behind everybody else's. And I grew up with a boy named Jamie, and we went to kindergarten together. And all the way through school. And Jamie was a pretty good boy and come from a pretty good family. But his parents didn't have quite the leash my parents had on me. <laughs> and he got running around with the wrong crowd, an older crowd. That's usually a bad sign. When your 15-year-old was around with a 20-year-old, that's a bad sign usually because the 20-year-old's already lived life a little bit more. And anyway, I remember coming to breakfast that morning and we was getting ready for church. It was a Sunday morning. And my mom had me something there fixing. Boy, and I dug in and, and I ate something. Boy, I started eating. And boy, it tasted so good. I loved breakfast when I was a kid. And about that time, she said, did you hear about what happened to Jamie last night? And I could tell by the tone of her voice it was bad, and my stomach just sunk. My appetite was gone. And I turned pale. I said, what? She said, well, she said, he's been running at the wrong crowd. And they were down there by the lake, and they were camping. And they were at the lake and camping, had a big tent. And they all got drinking beer down there. And anyway, nothing good ever come out of a bottle of beer. You can mark that down. It's not Budweiser, it's Bud Stupider. That's what it'll do to you. <laughs> and anyway, he said, got down there and got drinking that beer, and they said, Jamie, go put the fire out. And he, they had a bucket of water there, but right beside it was a gas can. And instead of grabbing the bucket of water because he was drunk, he grabbed the gas can, didn't pay attention to what he did. He went out there to the fire and poured the gas can onto the fire. When he did, that fire just come all the way back and exploded that gas can in his hands all over his upper body. He fell face first into the campfire. Instead of the fire going out, it became bigger. And for two minutes, he screamed and hollered and yelled until the other boys finally come out and dragged him out of the fire and went and threw him in the lake to try to get him some relief. They didn't know if he was going to make it. Fingers were burned off. Ninety percent of his upper body was scarred. He had no nose. He had no ears. He doesn't look the same. Skin grafts and months and months. They said, we don't know if he'll make it. The next 24, 48 hours are going to be critical. And I remember people at school, and that was the talk at school. And it scared me to death. I remember them praying for him at church. And they say, well, wasn't you all mad because he's drinking? No, that ain't it. We don't mad at people. We was disappointed, but we loved him. We wanted him to be all right. We didn't hate him. But anyway, and we prayed for him and asked God to help him. And he survived and made it. I saw him a couple years ago, I guess. And uh, when I saw him a couple years ago, He's unrecognizable, the person he used to be. Scars all over his face, over his head, all of it. They had to rebuild his nose. It's all different now. He doesn't look the same. He's missing some fingers. All of his hands and arms and upper body is just scarred because of the fire. He told me one time, he said, I remember he used to work at church camp. He went to church I mean, he was raised right. And I remember he told me, he said, you wouldn't believe the pain of just a couple minutes in that fire and what it felt like. I mean, you put your hand against something hot and you pull it back and say, oh, that hurt. Imagine just keeping it there for two minutes. 
but all over your body. He said, you wouldn't imagine how bad it was. He said, nothing has ever hurt. I've never had pain like I did when I was in that fire. Well, let me tell you, a place called hell has a real fire. And there's people that burn in that place. There's no reason for you to go. Why don't you get saved and trust Jesus today? It's a terrible place. I bet that rich man remembered those sores on Lazarus. I bet he remembered something else that said in verse 21, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. It said Lazarus was desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. I bet that rich man looked down there, eating in his big fancy dining room table. Probably could seat 15 or 20 people, and he probably sat on the end and had butlers coming and cutting everything and fixing everything and prepping everything and filling his drink and all that. And there he was and probably had that big bay window could see that gate. And he'd get eating and it'd start bothering him because every time he'd eat, he'd notice that Lazarus would raise up and look at it. And about that time, he would eat something and a crumb would fall and it hit the table and bounce to the floor. And Lazarus' head would probably watch it bounce all the way down. And he probably desired just to have that crumb. And I bet that rich man remembered those crumbs. He desired to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. He didn't want the main course. He said, if I could just have one crumb, just a little bitty piece of it, if I could just have a crumb, I'd be happy. That's all I want. I'm starving to death. Just a crumb would make me happy. And I bet that rich man looked at that and thought, why don't you go get a job, you lazy bum? He wasn't able to get a job. He was sick. It says he was sick. He had sores all over his body. By the way, if you're a full-grown man, you don't work, you ought to go get you a job. Amen? <laughs> like the rest of us. But there's some people that aren't able. And that's different. And I'm not talking about them. There's people that really, are, that things have happened in their life and they're not able. They're sickly. They can't work. That's not what I'm talking about. And I believe Lazarus was one of those men. And that rich man had an abundance. He had a great amount, but he wouldn't even share one single crumb that fell off of his table with that man laying at his gate. Then he ended up in hell. And you know what he said down there in that passage? He said, Father Abraham, he said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. He said, just dip it in and get a little crumb of water. He said, may he dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. He said, I don't need a whole bunch of it. He said, I don't need a gallon. He said, if he just dip it in and get one crumb of water and place it right there. That's all I want. But I, really, I bet he remembered the crumbs that fell from his table. And Lazarus didn't get any of those. One guy was telling a preacher one time, he said, hell, he said, I ain't worried about hell. We're in hell right now. They's at a hospital. And the preacher said, no, we're not in hell. He said, how do you know? He said, because there's a water fountain right over there. That's how you know. <laughs> there's no water in hell. They ain't getting it. I bet he remembered the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table when he thought about just a one drop of water. He was rich. He couldn't afford one drop of water in hell. I'll notice something else in verse 22. It says, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Let me say this morning, I believe he might have remembered the death. If that's correct and that's in that order, it appears that the beggar died first. And then the rich man died after him. His death is mentioned first anyway. 
It said it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. I don't know where he died at, but there's probably a good chance he died at that gate down there. And he was laying at that gate and he was getting sicker and the rich man probably noticed he's getting weaker every day. And every day that he looked out, he saw the beggar laying there and saw his sores were getting worse. And he, he couldn't lift up and look at the crumbs like he used to. And he couldn't beg like he used to. And he wasn't the shape that he used to be in. And I bet that rich man said, he ain't going to be here much longer. That miserable thing out there. That filthy man. Beggar out there. Must be bad. It's too bad. But he ain't coming in here and hurt my house, stinking up the place. And he looked out there and I bet he thought, what in the world is that? And he saw Lazarus, sick with sores all over his body. Dogs coming and licking his sores. Hungry, malnutrition. But had a smile on his face. How could a man like that be smiling? That rich man was probably never happy a day in his life. People think, well, I'll get that lottery and I'll win the lottery and I'll be happy. That usually hurts people's lives if you, if you hadn't paid attention. I've been coming into a bunch of money and stuff like that. You say, well, would, what would y'all do if we played the lottery? Would y'all be mad at church? Would you, if, we, if we tithed off that? I'm kind of like Sam Jones. Sam Jones, uh, that old Methodist preacher, he was against them. But in the eight, late 1800s, the KKK came into church. He was preaching full garb. And they put a bundle of money there on the offering plate and turned and walked out. They didn't even stay for the preaching. And they said, Brother Jones, are we going to take that money? He said, it's been the devil's money long enough. It's time God got some use out of it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I bet he remembered old Lazarus out there. And there was old Lazarus and he was looking and bad, but he had a smile on his face. Maybe he had a song in his heart. And he thought, what in the world's he doing out there singing? What is that? And there he is singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He might have been singing, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? How in the world could that guy have joy? Because of what was in his heart. I'm telling you, that beggar had something the rich man needed. He had something greater than all the riches that the rich man had. And about that time, he saw that beggar and he said, his breathing's getting slower. He's about to go. And that beggar, laying there, didn't have a good day in his life as far as physical terms or money was concerned or food. He died and went off into eternity. That's where you go when you die. And out into eternity, that's where you went. I showed him the other night. Come here, Brother Dwayne. You stand up. Here's the beggar, Roger. Put that down. The Bible says the angels came and carried him into Abraham's bosom. Get that side. It's all right, son. It's okay. You're not sick anymore. We're going to a place where you'll have all kinds of food. We're going to show you the bread of life. Don't you worry about those sores anymore. It's going to be better now. And that rich man's and that beggar's going, yeah, yeah, this is what I've been wanting. And boy, that gate didn't open, but the gate to paradise opened up. And the angels, the Bible says, the angels came and they carried him into Abraham's bosom. He was no longer sick. He was no longer hurting. He was no longer malnutrition. And boy, he looked at, you say, that ain't real. I believe it. Old Joseph passed away a few weeks ago. You heard me tell it. And he told Sister Heidi that Sunday morning. Right before he passed away in the hospital, at NEA hospital, he said, who's those two men standing at the end of my bed? She looked up. She didn't see any men. But the Bible said the angels came. In Luke 24, two men in white apparel came called angels. 
in Acts chapter 1, two men showed up and they were angels. They come in pairs many times, according to the Bible. And I'm telling you, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they didn't take old brother Joe. He's no longer hurting. He doesn't need a hip replacement. He doesn't have congestive heart failure. He doesn't have to worry about an insulin pump. He doesn't have to worry about breathing. He doesn't have to worry about any of those things. You say, boy, he had a hard life. He might have, but it ain't hard anymore. It's better. You say, why? Because of the death. Sometimes death helps you. That boy got promoted is what he got. He got a promotion. But I bet when that rich man died, I bet it wasn't that way. He probably got sick and got down. He thought, Lazarus, he sure was happy, but I'm not happy. I feel fun. I'm scared. Scared. I wonder what came for him when he died. You say something came for him? I don't know. I just wonder. Don't you ever wonder stuff like that? I wonder. I'll tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't the same as Lazarus. I only got one more thing to say, and I'll say this. Some of you are saying, thank God. Thank God. Notice in verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, Father, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, send Lazarus, to my father's house. Why? For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He said, I got five brothers in my daddy's house. They're still living. Send Lazarus and testify and tell them about this so they won't go to this terrible place. You ever wonder why? He said, send Lazarus, they may testify. You know what I think that rich man remembered? I think he remembered the testimony. Obviously, Lazarus had been testifying to him all these years. He probably laid at that gate, looked terrible, and looked sick, didn't have anything, ragged old clothes, just a beggar, sickly beggar that didn't have any food, didn't have any money, didn't even have a place to call his own, had to lay outside in the elements and the weather and lay at that gate. And that rich man had everything money could buy. I mean, he was without nothing that he wanted. If he wanted, he could go get it or send somebody to get it. And I bet old Lazarus out there at that gate, that rich man would stop, step outside and just look around and on a pretty day, and say, boy, it's nice out here. And see Lazarus go, huh, put his nose up. And Lazarus probably said, I know it looks bad from this side, rich man, and it looks like I'm no good and I don't have anything, and I know that I'm sick, and you know I don't have any money or a home, and you know I don't have any food, but let me tell you about my friend named Jesus. He sure has been good to me, rich man. He died for us and He wants us to go to heaven. And you might have a nice place, but you won't have an eternity if you don't get saved, rich man. And I bet day after day after day, that rich man got tired of hearing the testimony that came from the beggar. The guy that didn't have anything, but yet he had everything. And the guy that looked like he had everything, but he really didn't have anything. And testify day after day after day. You know what I think? I think some of you that have never been saved, you're going to wake up in that terrible place if you don't fix it. I want you to fix it. I want that to happen. And you're going to remember July the 24th, 2016, that old dumb preacher standing up there that didn't have much and didn't claim to have much. Not a very good preacher. Didn't, didn't have a lot of things. But he stood up there and he told you about Jesus and how he loved you and how he died for you and told him and told you that he's got something in his heart that's better than all the riches in the world can buy. I've got something better and his name's Jesus and I've got a place in heaven reserved unto me according to the Bible. 
And one day I'm going to that place, not because I'm a good person, because I don't even claim to be one. I want to be a good person. Not because I have this. Not because I'm a preacher. But because I've been born again. Because I've been saved. Because I'm a child of the King. Because I received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I've got something to look forward to. Thank God. What do you have to look forward to? That rich man remembered a few things, didn't he? What do you remember? What are you going to think back on? I hope you can think back from the right side. The only way you can do that is by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say one more time, He loves you. He died for you. He was buried and He rose again. He wouldn't have come and been virgin born and came to this world if He didn't love you. But He does love you. And He wants you to spend eternity in heaven. And He's asking you to come. Why don't you trust Jesus today before it's everlasting too late? Don't be like the rich man. It was too late for him. He had everything in the world. He chased it all. But he didn't have Jesus. Can we stand together as our song or musician come? We'll bow together for a word of prayer. This is the most important time of the service.